0: All right, folks, good evening. Welcome to the mine. Yeah, I agree. I told you I've had mine withdrawal the last couple of weeks. I twitch on Tuesday night. Uh, We're glad to have you back tonight. Hey, just a couple of things, some uh, just promotion and just reminders. I'm sure most of you saw this in the bulletin on Sunday, but our production team just did another great, promo for the mine that was in your bulletins, and uh, just a great, we have such a great, awesome production team here, they just do such a great job, and it's a great card, it's got all the information on there, you know, please use these, you know, if you've got them, you know of somebody that you could invite, that's what these cards are for, Is just not for your sake, to maybe put on the, the uh, refrigerator or something, but also just uh, to hand out, And then up at the info booths uh, all around our church, uh, I created this card with all the Bible studies that I do. From the mind down to women of the word that I'll do tomorrow morning, to our my marriage group on Friday, to the singles and friends small church that I do on Sunday, to the questions class that I do every once in a while here at church. That's got all the information updated, what the new studies are, where we meet, when we meet, all that kind of stuff. They're at all the info tables. So if you want... One of those, you can pick those up. In fact, it's even at the info table up here inside. And speaking of the questions class, I'm sure most of you saw this in your bulletin. I'm going to be doing uh, this behind the veil uh, coming up, not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday, the last Sunday in October, the 29th. Uh, I I would hope that a lot of you would take advantage of this because I think it's going to just be really good uh, to just try to help some folks you know, one of the things that sort of motive, motivated me to do this is not just all the unrest in the Middle East and all you hear and stuff, but a lot of times as Americans and as American Christians or everything, we're watching the television, we're watching cultures that are really different from ours. They're throwing out all these words on the news that we really don't understand and have no context of how to define what's going on and all of that, and a lot of times it's hard to figure stuff out. And... Um, So I just thought it would be good to do something like this because uh, a lot of times people just have very little understanding about the world in which we live and what's going on over there. What's the differences between Islam and Christianity and why don't we see eye to eye and you know why do I hear people on the news use uh, Muslim and jihad in conflicting terms and What's the difference between a Sunni Muslim and a Shia Muslim and a Sufi Muslim? I, I don't understand. We're going to help answer some of those questions that day on October the 29th, behind the veil. All right. Obviously, we're going to you know, use it too in a very practical way. To give you a strategy personally, uh, if the Lord ever allows you an opportunity to open up a dialogue with a Muslim, we'll give you a personal strategy that day to help you navigate that difficult dialogue, all right? Uh, so that you can go into it and really have some confidence that that you've got some, some cool things to say that the Lord can really use to open up the mind of a Muslim, all right, in dealing with that. So anyway, that's coming up October the 29th behind. And again, our production team just did an awesome, awesome job with that. I don't know. I don't know whether we will or not, but we'll try. We'll try to, to tape it, because I've had several inquiries about that. Alright. Second Peter. If you have your Bibles tonight and you want to turn to Second Peter, we're diving into Second Peter. We finished up First Peter before our couple week break, and now we're back into Second Peter tonight. And, uh, my goal is to get through Second Peter and just touch on the book of Jude before we take our Christmas break. And then we'll come back in January, and we're going to start a brand new study, which hopefully many of you are voting online at the MINE website about what that next study is. You've got four choices on there, so get on the MINE website and let your voice be heard. All right? What's winning? No, just it. No. I think the... What are the four choices again? Hebrews, Romans, James, and... Uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, that's it. So you can go online and you can vote, and basically I said, whichever book gets the most votes, that's what we'll do next fall. So you guys are actually going to pick the next study, all right, not me. Have people been voting like 70 times, you know, you can getting on, on there? That? Yeah, that's right, you can only vote once, so there you go. All right. Before we get into it tonight, let's let's open up with a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless our time together tonight. Father, again, I just thank you for such a good group out on Tuesday night. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just be with us in a special way tonight. Father, we just thank you so much for leaving us your word, uh, for giving us such clear direction, Lord, in such a dark world. And Father, we pray tonight that as we open up this word that you would just encourage us, challenge us. Lord, just uh, anoint your word tonight and just take it deep into our hearts. And may we leave here, Lord, closer to you, uh, more aware of, of maybe, Lord, what, what you would have us to do and the next step that we take as a believer. And just, just use your word, Lord, in a powerful way. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would ultimately be our teacher tonight. That, Lord, I would get out of the way and allow you to work And help me not to be a hindrance in any way, Lord. Help us not to quench or grieve the Holy Spirit in any way tonight, but that everything we say and do here in this room tonight would just bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Here's where I want to start tonight. I'm not going to sort of go verse by verse tonight. I'm going to do that next week. But I want to pick out some really key things at the beginning of 2 Peter that are sort of key themes that run throughout the entire book, but that he touches on in the first chapter. And the first thing that, that we see in 2 Peter is, is this principle, okay? And this is why he starts out the way he does. The Christian life is never static, we never get to a point where we just sort of stay on a certain level and just stay at that level. The Bible teaches we're either moving forward or further along or however you want to look at it. We're becoming more like Christ or we're moving backward. There's no such thing in the Christian life as getting to a certain place or plane in my relationship with God and just sort of hovering there, okay, that That's not possible. We're either moving forward or moving backward. So, so one of the reasons why Peter writes this book is, again, he's writing to try to encourage Christians to live faithfully in difficult times. And one of the best ways that you and I can navigate difficult times, whether they be personal difficult times or as a nation, as a world or whatever, is to keep growing and to keep moving forward and not... Heading backward. That's not going to do us any good at all. In fact, He's going to show us through our study of 2 Peter some of the negative consequences of moving backward and not continuing to progress in my relationship with Christ. So that's why one of the key themes then in Second Peter is growing. Is growing, growing, growing. And so I would just say to you and I tonight, as we sit here, October the 17th, where are we? Are we making progress in our relationship with God? Or at this point, am I sort of regressing? Am I going backwards? And maybe by being here tonight, I'm even trying to do some things in my life to begin moving forward again. Because again, I'm either moving forward or I'm moving backward. I've got to continue to grow. There really is no other choice for the Christian but to keep moving ahead. I've got to keep moving ahead, and that's what God wants me to do. No matter what I'm dealing with, no matter what's in my past, just like Paul. Paul says, I've got to forget the things that are behind, and I've got to keep pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. So I've got to keep moving on. I have no other choice, and that's why growth and growing and that whole concept is so important to Peter. That's why, if you look at verse 2 of 2 of Peter... Uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, May grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow. So right there, he's talking about the importance of growth. And notice he's saying that God's grace and God's peace will be multiplied to us and lavished on us as we grow. So that the more I grow, the more I really understand the concepts of God's grace and peace. In other words, a person who's at this level spiritually isn't going to truly grasp... They have grace and peace through Christ, but they're not going to be able to grasp all of what that means until maybe they get to this level. And that's why growth is so important because God wants us to continue to grow because as we grow, we're going to understand more about Him, more about the resources and everything that's available to us. And it's just, it's going to benefit us as well as others. So as you grow, then notice over again in chapter 1, um, Verse four, through these things, he has bestowed on us precious and magnificent promises so that by means of what was promised. Notice these next words, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Again, that phrase you may become speaks about growth and about not staying where I am, but about becoming something different, becoming something new or as Paul would say, as a new creation in Christ, all things should be passing away in my life. All things should be becoming new. And so that's what he's saying. You and I can become more of, of what God wants to see and what, what he created us to be. Uh, so there's that concept of growth. That's why I think at the very beginning of his letter, again, Peter uses his two names. I think for a couple reasons. He wants to appeal to both a Hebrew and Greek audience, so he uses his Hebrew name, Simon. He uses his Greek name, Peter. It's a wide audience, but I think also by using the term Simon Peter in verse 1 of 2 Peter, he's also saying, hey, I didn't stay where I was when I came to Christ. When I met Jesus Christ, I was Simon. But Jesus soon after that came and said to me, you're not going to stay Simon very long, you're going to become Peter. Peter. So it's all about what we're becoming. And again, again, God doesn't want any of us to stay where we are. And He certainly doesn't want us to go backward. He wants us to continue to become all that He created us to be and all that He purposed us to be in Him. Notice in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Excellence to excellence, knowledge to knowledge, self-control. The word add there. Speaks about growth. Again, I'm not staying where I'm at, but I, as a Christian, need to be continually adding to the foundation of my faith. You see, the reason why faith is the first thing is because faith is the foundation for the Christian life. In fact, the word faith literally means that which stands under. That's what it means. That's why the writer of Hebrews says without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith has to be the foundation. I have to come to trust God in a certain level. But then after that foundation of trusting in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I need to continue to grow. And I need to become a partaker of the divine nature. And I need to begin to add things to the foundation of my faith. All about growth. Then lo- notice verse 8. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing. There again, that those words continually increasing or abounding. Speak about growth. Again, I'm not remaining where I am. I am continually increasing. And then notice this. As we move on in verse 8, if these things are yours and continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. Notice the word pursuit there. All right? or toward, or unto. In other words, again, just a term that Peter is using, again to say, the Christian life is never stagnant. It's never static. We're either moving forward, or we're moving backward. And, and I am writing this letter to try to encourage you folks to faithful living in difficult times. And the best remedy for that is continue to move forward. There's no other choice. There's no reason to go back We can't stay where we are. There's no neutrality there. I've got to continue to press forward and grow. Now, as I say that, again, just trying then to take the principles of Scripture and to practically apply them to my life, one of the things that I need to begin to ask myself, and I hope that you will tonight too, is this. What am I doing in my life to make that happen in my life, to, to grow, to, to go after that pursuit, to become more and more of a partaker of the divine nature that God wants to give to me. What am I practically doing? And here's, here's what I would like to happen tonight. Because there's all kinds of things that we could maybe, could enter into our mind and we could make commitments to or decisions about tonight. But here, here's where I'd like to see it go. I would just like to see all of us leave here tonight saying here's what I believe is the next step that God wants me to take in my spiritual growth. The next step. Because it's all about taking steps. It's not about taking jumps or leaps. It's about taking steps. I'll never forget I lived very close before we moved out to Arizona to to New York City. Uh, That's where I pastored for 10 years before we moved here. And as I've shared with many of you, one of the things that I had to do there was I had to counsel a lot of the workers that went down to Ground Zero and worked on that site after the terrible tragedy of 9-11. And one of the things that I was hearing even from those who escaped the Twin Towers was, Jeff, it was all about the steps. The reason why we were able to get out of the towers and other people weren't is we had access to the steps. We had access and we took those steps. And it was just by having those Steps that we were able to get out, folks. I've been counseling and pastoring for twenty plus years. That same principle is true in the spiritual realm. It's all about just taking the next step that God wants us to take. So don't, you know, don't get overwhelmed by, oh my goodness, God wants me to grow and and oh I could do this. I could. No, just be thinking about and asking God to give you that next step because in Psalm one nineteen. I believe it's verse 133. Here's what David says. Order my steps or direct my steps according to your word. That was David's prayer. Psalm 119 verse 133. Direct my steps according to your word. And that's the way we need to live the Christian life. Is that right? Is that the right reference? 119, 133. Okay. All right. So it's taking those steps. So what step does God want me to take next in the pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately? Now, let me just go on to something else and then I'm going to stop for a moment in case any of you have any questions or comments. So that's one big theme throughout 2 Peter, growth. Everything you begin to read about through 2 Peter. In fact, if you read like one of the last verses in 2 Peter, if you go to 2 Peter 3.18... What's that verse say? But what? What's 2 Peter 3.18 say? Somebody grow. Grow Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So from the very beginning of 2 Peter to the very end of 2 Peter, guess what he's hammering on? Grow. Move forward. Keep moving forward. Recognize as a Christian, i got to move forward because I can't stay where I'm at or else I'm automatically going backward. Grow, grow, grow. Now the next major theme is knowledge. And the reason why knowledge was important in Peter's day was because there was these false teachers that were called Gnostics. And there was this false system of belief called Gnosticism. And it was all about a false knowledge. And basically what they taught was this. There's a few of us special people that God has given His knowledge to. And the rest of you poor folks, you just aren't going to know the knowledge of God without us. And you need to get to know us so that we can impart God, because you can't know God's knowledge apart from us, because there's only a few special people. Well, Peter is going to just totally blow that out of the water. And the Bible blows out of the water. In fact, 1 Peter even, when we read that, we talked about the priesthood of believers, that every believer in Christ has access to Jesus Christ. That it's not just reserved for, you know, a few special Christians. We all have access to God. We all have access to His Word. We all have the Holy Spirit of God. And Peter's going to reemphasize the importance of knowledge, but from a different way. Notice then, beginning in verse 2, again, if you go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, "...may grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow, but as you grow," notice, in what? "...in the rich knowledge of God..." and of Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the connection here is, I'm going to get more, I'm going to understand more of God's grace, and more of God's peace, as I grow, and not just as I grow, as I grow in the rich knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that's why, for instance, I can have two Christians, and I can have one who's been growing, and growing, and growing, in the rich knowledge of Jesus Christ, they're going to have a handle on the peace of God that another Christian over here, even though they have the same access to that peace, might not have captured it yet because they're not growing in the rich knowledge of Jesus Christ. So they're going to have a different look at peace. And this person, this Christian over here is going to be more at peace because that peace comes through my growth through the rich knowledge of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, let me go back to this word, knowledge. It's interesting that we had this conversation. Because there's, diff- there's one word in the English language for knowledge, but there's many words in the Greek language for knowledge. And that's why study of God's Word is so important. This word, knowledge, speaks not about a head-to-head knowledge, not about a mere intellectual knowledge but a heart-to-heart knowledge. It's a knowledge that is based on an intimate, personal relationship. So that, he's not telling us here, that as you and I grow in the knowledge of God's Word, by filling our head with all these Bible verses and facts and all of this, that somehow I'm all of a sudden just going to get God's grace and peace. No. It doesn't happen that way. As I've said before, Bible knowledge alone doesn't do anything except make me a more intelligent sinner. That's all Bible knowledge does. Alright? That's why I've said before, I know people that know all the different beasts in Revelation and they act like it too. That's not what Bible knowledge is. Alright? This word knowledge speaks about that intimate personal relation. It's just like, I'm going to use marriage as an example, because I think it's about as close as we're going to get. When I make a commitment to my wife and we got married, alright, that's parallel to the day I made a commitment to Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. Alright? So, I'm married, I'm saved. But, as time goes on, and I've been married now for 22 plus years, I obviously have a much deeper understanding and knowledge of my wife 22 years down the road of being married to her than I did when I got married. Now, was I married? Yeah. But, because I have grown in walking with my wife... And, and, and just living life with my wife for 22 years, guess what? I've grown in the rich knowledge. It's not a head knowledge, it's a heart-to-heart knowledge. Alright? Please understand that. And so that's why, too, we have sometimes this disconnect between even Christians who say, Pastor Jeff, I... I understand these verses, but they're not helping me. Or I, I know this concept in the Bible. Or I know the Bible teaches this, but I don't seem to be, doesn't seem to be doing anything in my life. But there's a difference between knowing it in my head and walking with Jesus in an intimate personal relationship. There's a difference. And one of the hardest things to get even Christians to grasp is, again, to get away from that rules and regs, and and to build a relationship with a living God who can walk with us each and every day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And that's the kind of knowledge that he's talking about. Because again, later on, he's going to point out that there's a lot of false teachers out there that we've got to be aware of. And oh, they've got a lot of knowledge of the Bible. And they twist it and they turn it to satisfy their own ends but they have enough knowledge about the Bible to be dangerous, but they have no intimate personal relationship with God, and there's a difference there. And Of course, Lynn and Ron and others here at this church are constantly talking about the importance of that personal relationship. That's the kind of knowledge he's talking about here. If you go over then to verse uh, 3... I can pray this because His divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness, but notice through, through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by His own glory and virtue. So how do I, how do I come to understand all the resources that I have? Through that rich knowledge of walking with my Savior and my Lord each and every day. And notice something that Peter says there that I don't want to pass up tonight. He says that God has given us Everything we need. Not everything we want, but everything we need to live a life that will please Him, that will honor Him, that will bring glory to Him, and a life that will be fulfilling for me. Everything. So that if you hear somebody say or you begin to say to yourself, God, I thank You for all that You've done for me, but I need something else in order to live the life that I need to live for you, God would say, no you don't. Read 2 Peter 1, verse 3. you gotta, you got to come to understand you've got everything you need. You just need to grow in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and walk with Him so that you begin to understand all the resources and everything that is available to you so you don't feel like I don't have everything I need. And again, it's a step-by-step process. And all God is concerned about is that we're making progress up that road. Notice in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence to excellence, knowledge. There again, the word knowledge. And then down in verse 8. For if these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of, notice, knowing our Lord Jesus Christ, more intimately. Right there it is. That's the key. This is all going to come about as I gain a more intimate, personal relationship over time with just walking with my Savior every day. So, growth is a huge theme, and knowledge is a huge huge theme. I just want to go back then to something else, and then I'll take a break. In verse 1, from Simon Peter a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior notice a couple of things it doesn't come through our righteousness all this only comes through the, his righteousness and notice too that in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 more than maybe any other place this verse plainly teaches unlike what some cults will teach this verse plainly teaches that Jesus Christ is God period notice our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right. Then, have been granted a faith just as precious as ours. Don't miss that. Here's what Peter is saying. And this is, again, a, a knife in the theology of the Gnostics who taught that there's just this little little group over here that have special knowledge that the rest of us don't have access to. By using that phrase that we now have these things through the righteousness that have been granted a faith just as precious as ours, he's simply saying this, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I was one of his twelve disciples. But you who come to faith through his righteousness come to have access to the same privileges with God that even I, the apostle Peter, had. So that, Every Christian has access to the same privileges and there's not one Christian or one group within the body of Christ that has access to some special stuff with God that some other group doesn't. No, that's why Peter says, a faith as precious as ours. It simply means access to the same Christian privileges and so then the question becomes dealing back with growth am I taking advantage of all these privileges and resources? and and here's how I would illustrate it and this is the only thing I can come up with and again it's a physical illustration to emphasize a spiritual principle basically it's like okay I'm out of shape I need to get in physical shape so what do I do well God would have supplied me with my own personal gym. And he, He's got all the equipment there, you know. He's given me all the equipment in that personal gym that I need to get in physical shape. Now, the one thing God won't do, is He won't drag me out of bed and put me on that equipment and make me get in shape. But, but, according to Peter, what God has done for me is, has given me all the equipment that I need and access to that equipment all the time to get into physical shape. That's exactly what Peter is saying in the spiritual realm. He's saying God has given every Christian all the tools necessary, everything necessary, and has given us access to all those things at all time, and no group of Christians has access to something to get in better spiritual shape than some other Christians do. We all have the same access, but the difference is going to be, just like in the physical realm, some Christians are going to take advantage of that equipment, and they're going to train on it every day, and they're going to get in spiritual shape because they're going to discipline themselves to use it and to have access to it, and, you know, and other Christians are going to go, yeah, God, that's a great bike. I really like that that bike, but I'm not getting on it. You know, I'm, I'm not doing any I'm not doing any treadmill. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not lifting any weights, you know. It it looks nice, it's a beautiful gym, but I'm not getting on it. And that's where God is going to say next in Peter, that's our responsibility. That's where our God's given us everything. But it's our responsibility to take advantage of of all those resources that God has given us in order that we can keep growing. And and that's why why even in verse 3, when he says, I can pray this because I know that His divine power, and that word literally means in the original language, that which overcomes. And he's saying, God has given you even the power that overcomes anything. And that power is available to us so that we can be empowered to take advantage of what God's given us in order to grow. So I hope that's encouraging. Again, hey, like probably physically, all of us could say, could I be in a little bit better shape? Sure, we could all say that. Could all of us say, hey, could I be in a little bit better spiritual shape? Sure we could, all right? My point tonight is not to acknowledge that, you know, could we be, you know, a little bit further along My point is this. What God wants to do is, He wants to very practically come into our lives tonight and say, And what's that next step that you and I together need to take in order for you to keep making progress down that road as a Christian? For some of you, it may be, Hey, I joined the mine this fall. That's great. I'm glad you're in here. And if that's a decision you made to maybe start growing a little bit or coming to a little bit greater understanding of God's Word, that's super. We're glad you're here. But you're going to get to a point like there where, okay, I, I've done the mine, but, but now I need to do the mine plus something else. Or I need to do something else in place of that for a while. Or I need to stretch. Again, because we're always growing. We're always moving forward. Can't go back. That's not an option. Got to keep moving forward. All right. Comments, questions, thoughts. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. What I'm saying is, God gave the Bible to every Christian. Every Christian has access to the same truth. He didn't give the Bible to a certain group of people, He didn't give the Holy Spirit to a certain group of Christians, because the Bible teaches that once I enter into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that one of the other gifts that God gives to every Christian is the Holy Spirit who lives within me, who can help me understand the Bible and teach me. He's the ultimate teacher. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that God gives certain Christians the Holy Spirit and not to others. Again, He gives the Holy Spirit equally. He gives the Bible equally. He gives access to Him in prayer equally so that as a Christian, I don't have to go over to Mike and go, even though as Christians, we ask other Christians to pray for us, that's more on an intercessory level. It's not that I go to Mike and say, Mike, could you get to God and ask Him for something? Because I can't. No, see, every Christian has access to God through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, very first verse of Romans chapter 5, Paul says, through being justified through Jesus Christ, all Christians have access to God. So that's what I'm saying, yeah, that God would say we're all, we all start out in Christ on an equal playing field. The only difference then becomes, and this is what we're talking about tonight, is even though we all start out on the same playing field, we don't end up the same place, because different Christians are going to take more advantage of the resources God gives them, and of spiritual training, and spiritual discipline, and and all of that than other Christians are, so they're going to end up growing, you know, beyond what these folks are, and it's not because God doesn't want these people to grow, they have every opportunity, it's just these people have taken advantage of it. These Christians have not. And that's the only reason, folks, that we encourage you to to come to church. It's not that coming to church necessarily makes you more spiritual, but what coming to church can do is, again, provide an opportunity for growth. Bible reading, same thing. Prayer, witnessing, serving. I mean, all kinds of different things that we can do to enhance. Does it necessarily equate into that? No. Because, again, don't forget... It's not just a matter of filling my head with the right things, it's a matter of literally walking with my Savior in an intimate, personal relationship. And let's even go a step further tonight, and not to try to get too confusing here, but let's remember that the Bible clearly teaches that even those who seemingly are walking down that same road, aren't necessarily walking down the same road, and I... I just stop there and use the example of Judas. Okay? One of the twelve. Walked with Jesus. You know, all of that. But Judas, I believe clearly according to the teaching of Scripture, was not one who had a personal relationship with Jesus. So that's again why we tell people here at Cornerstone. It's not just Coming to church, it's not just reading your Bible. Those things should be the outgrowth of a relationship with God, but they're not necessarily to take the place, nor can they ever take the place of a personal relationship with God. So that's why people can say, "Well, I go to church." Yeah, but where's it say in the Bible that going to church means you have a personal? You got to have a personal relationship with God, and then church becomes certainly a a cool thing. But it should be the relationship. You know, now again, at a church like Cornerstone, one of the other cool things is you can come here and you are totally welcomed here, even as Lynn would say, pre-Jesus, even before you have a relationship. That's okay. We don't, doesn't bother us a bit. We'll let you figure it out on your own time and in your own way. We just believe God's going to use his word to speak to your heart and, you know, that type of thing. We're not going to pressure you in any, any way, because that's between you and God. All right. Yes, I think that you make that leap or that step, if you will, by applying the same principles to building a relationship with a human being that you can see with a God that you can't see, but the same principles, communication, communication is the lifeblood of any relationship. And so that's why prayer is important and why the Bible is important, because in one sense, Prayer is me talking to God, but it's also allowing God to speak to me. It's it's allowing time for communication. And so that's why, again, some people say, I don't feel like I have an intimate relationship. And one of the things that I might probe is, well, what, what's your prayer life like? Prayer life? <laughs> you know, that's like, oh, okay. Because, again, communication. So as we communicate with God, as our prayer life grows, as we talk to God more, as we allow God to talk to us more through prayer, through His Word. That's going to be a way that we build that intimacy. Where? I'm walking through my day and it's not like I have to be formal about it. I can just talk to God any time of the day, whatever I'm doing, whatever. Just And it doesn't have to be a certain way and a certain posture or whatever. I'm just talking to God. I'm just relaying to, relating to Him. He's relating to me. He's relating to me through His Word. That's one of the best ways that we can build that intimacy. It's The way I like to look at it is it's just knowing his presence is there at all times and he is there that he's not distant from me. He's right here with me. He's in me. And and I just need to relate to him on that kind of a level instead of like, oh my goodness, you know, he's way out there and he's so unconcerned about me and I, I need to try to, you know, no, he's Right here, he's very near to me, and just to relate to him that way as you you would your husband. Yeah, I think that's a great way. You know, spend time with him, you know. Uh, Anything like that that you're going to do on a human level to build an intimate relationship with somebody, you would do with Jesus in that way as well. It's a great question. Yeah, sure. Any others want to share a personal testimony of how you feel the intimacy of God in your life? Yeah, Mike we really see, I think that's what they're trying to say, all of them, is there's times in our life where we just, the reality of God hits us. And it's like, wow, yeah, he, he, he is alive, He is real, it is His personal, He does watch over me, He does answer my prayers, and there's He gives us this evidence of that in our lives periodically. Yes. Amen. Amen. That is so right. You know, you, you bring up a thought that I guess goes along with this it, about the difference between just, you know, all you that know me know I'm a history buff, and especially Civil War. So let me, let me use this to illustrate. I could I could sit up here for an hour or some Tuesday, and I could give you a lecture on Gettysburg that would just knock your socks off. Okay? <laughs> I'm telling you. Or, or, there's a great our slideshow that I could show you about Gettysburg that I think would even impact you more. But the best way to impact you is to take you there. To let you walk that battlefield with me. And that's what we're saying here. That's what Peter's saying about the rich knowledge that I'm talking about is where you walk with Christ. It's not where you're just hearing about Christ and maybe even seeing from a distance the things about Christ but where you're actually there walking with him on a daily basis and you're just interacting with him each and every day. And just again, as you and I walk with him each day, we're going to grow. We're going to come to understand more. I mean, again, it's it's little steps. It's, it's just like a human relationship. I mean, you know, Weeks may go by, especially after 22 years, where I might not learn maybe anything new about Lisa, all right? But then a couple weeks, it's like, whoa, I didn't know that about you, you know? And so, again, and and that's the way God is. And God, being God, who's infinite, and we've got so much more to learn about God than even we as human beings as far as how complex we are There's always cool new nuances in the character of God and the ways of God and the things that we learn about God like has been shared here that that are just so cool that as we walk with Him, that's where all this comes from. And that's what Peter wants these folks to see. Yeah, good stuff. Now, let me get back here real quick to this point. So growth is key. Knowledge is key. And all that goes along with that. But then as I shared, so here's all the equipment spiritually. God has given us this great heavenly gymnasium to work out with and get into the tip-top spiritual shape of our life. But here's also the point. Notice verse 5 of chapter 1 of Second Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, and so on and so on. Well, that's not the only time. See, when you study the Bible, one of the things that's a real key in interpretation and application and all of that is, as you read a book of the Bible, or as you read a chapter of the Bible, how many times are the same things repeated? Repetition is key. If God says something once, it's important because God said it. He says something twice, whoa, three times, four times. Well, you can see how often he used the concepts of growth just in chapter 1. You can see tonight how many times he repeated the word knowledge or knowing in chapter 1. And now notice this phrase of making every effort. Go over to verse 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to be sure of your calling and election for by doing this you will never stumble into sin you will have an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ and will be richly provided for you now even though now this doesn't apply to the same principle he uses the same phrase with him down in verse 15 notice indeed i also will make every effort that after my departure you have a testimony of these things make every effort's important And that phrase in the original language means this, that one of the keys to growth and getting into spiritual shape and taking advantage of all these resources and whatever is a focused concentration. That's what the word make every effort means. Focused concentration on a specific purpose. That's literally what it means. So here's what God wants us to do. Okay? Okay. God wants us to say, and that's why I said tonight, this should be our goal, to leave here tonight saying, okay, God, what's that next step? Because I want that next step that you want me to take in growing to become what you want me to be. I want that next step to be something that I focus my concentration on until you give me the next step. And then I'll focus my concentration on that. And then when you give me the next step, I'll focus my concentration on that. Make every effort. God's given us the resources. All He asks from us is that we would focus our concentration on that specific purpose. That's why throughout the Bible, Jesus will say that same principle in sort of different ways. Like in Matthew, when He says to His followers, Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those other things will take care of themselves. Focus, concentration on that specific purpose. And Jesus, being our shepherd, always left us that example when He lived His life here on earth. Let me show you that tonight. Go back to the Gospel of Luke for a moment with me. Let me find where I want to start at tonight. Here we go. Luke chapter 9 verse 51 is where I want to start. The Gospel of Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. Here was the specific purpose or concentrated purpose of Jesus Christ while He was here on earth. He begins to tell this to His disciples so that they'll get it. That even though He's involved in other things and certainly God is using Him, but he's got his eyes set on one goal and one goal alone for being here. Luke 9:51. Now, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set out resolutely to go to Jerusalem. There it is. For the first time in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is saying, Guys, we're going to do some other things here, but I want you to know that here's the goal. I'm going to Jerusalem. Because the bottom line, guys, is why I'm here, I'm here to die. And no matter all the good works and the healings and turning water into wine and feeding thousands of people with a little boy's lunch and all that, all that's great and that was the signs of the Messiah and all that, but it's not going to be worth anything if I don't get to Jerusalem and die on that cross. That's why I came. And so throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, even though he was ministering here and ministering there and doing things, but he always had his concentration on the ultimate goal, which was, I gotta get to Jerusalem. Look at chapter 13, verse 22. Chapter 13 of Luke. Then Jesus traveled throughout towns and villages, teaching and making his way toward Jerusalem. It was always about Jerusalem. Notice in chapter 17, verse 11. And again, what am I doing? Just showing you the repetition throughout the Bible and how it speaks so powerfully to us. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And again, it's not that He wasn't doing things for God as He was on His way to Jerusalem. And it's not that You know, we can't be doing things while we're on the way somewhere, but we've got to focus our concentration on that specific purpose and not allow anything to distract us and deviate us ultimately from where we're headed. In other words, Jesus, even though he would stop and do things... If that thing was going to keep him from going to Jerusalem, then he wouldn't have stopped because his ultimate goal was Jerusalem and it was all about getting to Jerusalem. Chapter 18, verse 31, just a couple more to just show you how this is repeated throughout the gospel for emphasis. Then Jesus took the 12 aside and said to them, Look, by now they should have known this, right? We're going up to Jerusalem. You know? But do you notice how often Jesus is repeating even to his disciples? He didn't, He wasn't just... Say, you know how we are sometimes. We say something once to somebody and we think they've got it. I, I told them once. Shouldn't they have got that? Well, I don't know. Jesus repeats things over and over and over and over again. So I think, honestly, being a good communicator... Means that I need to be repetitious sometimes in what I say in order to emphasize it and make sure that my audience gets it. So that's why even here in the mind you might say, okay, Jeff, you've said that about three or four times now. I think, I, but there's a reason for doing that. Jesus did it. We're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. One more, chapter 19, verse 28. And after Jesus had said this, He continued on ahead. Guess where he was going? Going up to Jerusalem. Focused concentration on a specific purpose. Jesus modeled it for us. He modeled that very thing for us when he was here on earth. He was here to do primarily one thing go to Jerusalem. As the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Oh, he did a lot of other things. But that was the one thing that he was concentrated on more than anything else. Everything was flowing towards Jerusalem. Friends, what's your Jerusalem tonight? Where are you headed? What's that spiritual goal in front of you that you're going after right now? Do you have a Jerusalem you're going after? Is there something you're moving towards? Because again, Peter would say, if we're not moving towards anything, then it's just hit or miss. We've got to be more strategic in our Christian life. We just can't again sit back and think God's going to do it for us. Oh, He supplied it all for us, but we've got to get on that machinery and we've got to take some responsibility too and that's what peter would say to these folks reading second peter and why it's so important that he's encouraging them with these words because he says guys if you want to live faithfully in such difficult times the best advice i can tell you is keep on moving forward in spite of all the darkness and all the things that's going on in the world keep moving forward In spite of North Korea maybe setting off nuclear arms, keep moving forward. In spite of all the turmoil in Iraq, keep moving forward. In spite of what you hear even around here about a a four-year-old boy dying of leukemia, keep moving forward. It doesn't matter. Keep moving forward. Keep moving toward Jerusalem. What is your and my Jerusalem. That's what Peter is saying when he says, make every effort to add to your faith. And make every effort to make sure of your calling and your election. Comments? Thoughts? Questions? Uh, Great. Yes. Exactly. The long-term goal for every Christian is to be like Jesus Christ as we can be like Him. Yes. And as I've shared with you before, again, not to be repetitive, but let's remember, there are the incommunicable attributes of God, and there are the communicable attributes. Incommunicable meaning, I can't be like God in being almighty, in being everywhere at once, in knowing everything. I'll never be like God in that respect. Because that's what separates God from the rest of His creation. Those are what's called the incommunicable attributes of God. But there are the communicable attributes of God. Those things that I and God can share together. I can be loving like God. I can be merciful like God. I can be forgiving like God. I can be patient like God. The fruit of the Spirit, if you will, is just a, one list in the Bible that gives us some of those communicable attributes. That And those are the things that are the ultimate goal, to be like Jesus Christ in those respects. But yeah, what I want us to see is, okay, sometimes we get so overwhelmed by the ultimate goal because most of us would say, oh my golly, I'm so far away from being what Jesus Christ, just forget it, I'm just throwing in the towel right now. And that's what God doesn't want us to do. He wants us to just take that next step. Just take that next step and trust Him that once we get there, then He's going to give us the next step to go after and the next step to go after as we continue to pursue knowing the Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. If there's a key verse, let me just take you back to it. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice, "...for if these things are really yours..." In other words, again... He wants to make sure that you have that personal relationship. This isn't head-to-head. This is heart-to-heart. If these things are really yours and are continually increasing, they will keep you from becoming ineffective and unproductive in your pursuit of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ more intimately. That's what it's all about. Knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. I know Him because I'm saved. I committed my life to Christ, but now the rest of my Christian life is all about knowing Him more intimately. That's the progress that I need to make. Notice also something here in verse 8. God wants us to be productive and effective. And the way I can be effective for Him and productive as a Christian and bear fruit is by continuing to grow. The more I grow, and the more progress I make, the more I will be effective in His kingdom, the more productive I will be, the more fruit I will bear. But notice then in verse 9, some negative consequences to not growing. Failure to grow in my Christian life is going to produce two things. What I call spiritual myopia and spiritual amnesia. Alright? Notice what he says in verse 9. But concerning the one who lacks such things, meaning he's not continuing to grow, so guess what that means? I'm going backward. Because again, I can't stay the same. Here's what begins to happen. He is blind. That is to say, he is near-sighted. Please don't miss this. This is important. Here's what Peter's saying. For a Christian who's not continuing to make progress and grow, but now is moving backward... Something that's going to eventually set in is spiritual nearsightedness. Well, we all know what myopia means. If I'm nearsighted, I can see things fairly clearly up close, but I have no clue what's out there. And that's what happens to Christians spiritually. You see, if we're not growing and we're regressing and we're going backward, here's what begins to happen. I live for the here and now, because this is all I can see. I'm not living for eternity anymore because eternity is too far out there. I'm not setting my affection on heaven. That's, that's, that's beyond my sight at this point. So that's why some Christians even, even though they're Christians, but they're going backwards, that's sometimes why they make a decision. It's like, oh my goodness, why did they do that? Weren't they thinking about the ramifications or consequences or what that behavior was going to do? No. You know Why? Because they had become, they weren't always this way, they had become spiritually nearsighted. And all they could see was the joy of what this was going to bring them right there. And that's why the Bible says, hey, sin is pleasurable for a season. You're going to have fun for a few minutes. But then after that's over, what about all the mess afterwards? But you see, they can't see that. Because even some Christians who've regressed back to this point, all they can see is this is all it's about right here and now. And they can't see what he, what's out there for eternity and see what God wants us to see when we make decisions is not just to base decisions on the here and now, what's going to make us just comfortable right here and now, but what's best for us in the long term. What's best for eternity, not just what's best for us on earth. Because let's all face it, as Christians, if we made every decision in life based upon what's good for me here on earth, not what's good for eternity, we'd change a lot of things in our life. And God's saying, no, the Christian value system has to be far-sighted, not near-sighted. I've got to base my decisions on what's best for me for eternity, not what's best for me necessarily down here on earth. Even though I think when we do follow God, again, God wants us to enjoy life. And God's going to give us a great life down here, an abundant life, a life of higher quality than we could ever imagine But it still has to be based on, in a sense, spiritual farsightedness. The person who lacks these things is spiritually nearsighted. And then the next thing it says is they they begin to have this spiritual amnesia where they actually begin to forget about the cleansing of their past sins. It's almost like that that salvation experience and that, that moment when they ask Christ into their heart to forgive their sins seems like such a distant memory to them that it makes no impact on the way they live their lives here and now. And again, all of us maybe even have been there. I've been there at times in my life. Ashamed to say it. Other Christians have been there where we don't keep the sacrifice of Christ and His love for us on that cross close enough to us to where it doesn't really mean as much and it's not affecting our present behavior and how we're living our life. That's part of the reason, I think, again, because Jesus knows we need to be constantly reminded that when Jesus instituted the Lord's table, communion, whatever you want to call it, He said, I want my church to do this in remembrance of me. Now you would think, that after God dying on a cross for me, I wouldn't forget. But Jesus, God, said, oh yeah, that experience will get old if you don't keep bringing it back up before your face every once in a while. And holding that bread and that cup in your hand and remembering the broken body on the cross and remembering the blood. If we don't remind ourselves of that, it becomes a distant memory and it's almost like we get have this spiritual amnesia. And then we can even get to the point, because we have that spiritual amnesia, where we begin to doubt our salvation. Am I really saved or not? Because one of the byproducts of not moving forward is moving backward. And when I begin to move backward as a Christian, all kinds of doubts are going to start flooding in. And that's where the lack of assurance of my salvation is going to creep in and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm going to think... Yeah, am I am I really? And that's why then he goes on. Notice in verse ten to say, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to make sure of your calling and election. For here's the key: for by doing this, you will never stumble into sin. Now I want to clarify that, and then I'm going to close tonight because this is this is important. Some of you are sitting there like I was when I first read that and go, well, I stumble into sin. I fall. I, I fail. I, I'm, you know, I, I still sin. I make mistakes. So where, But here's, again, where study comes in. As I studied that verse, here's the difference. Yeah, the Bible teaches that even Christians stumble. But this word for stumble speaks about a stumbling into sin about which I never get up from. In other words, it's, it's a permanent stumble. Because this verb here in the Greek is in the aorist tense, which means it's a stumbling that is final from which I'm there's no arising. Well, that's different than a Christian who stumbles and who can get back up again. What the Bible is saying is make sure of that personal relationship. Because if you don't have that personal relationship, one of these days you're going to stumble and you're not going to be able to get back up because it's going to be too late at some point. But for the Christian, we can always get back up. In fact, that's one of the characteristics of being a Christian is get back up and God will be right there to help us back up. So again, don't take that verse further than what Peter means it. Stumbling there into sin isn't dealing now in this context with us, but with those who don't have that personal relationship. Because then in verse 11, he says, For thus an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. It'll be a great and wonderful welcome home one day when we get to heaven. But folks, again, tonight... This has just all sort of been an introduction. (laughs) This is just a little taste. Because next week, we're really going to get into it. Verse by verse. This has just been an overview. But here's the key. Before I close in prayer tonight, let me just again say this. Here's what I believe God wanted me to share with you folks tonight. What's that next step that God wants you to take As you pursue growing in a more intimate relationship with Him. We're not talking about making a leap here. We're not talking about jump. We're talking about just that next step. What's that next step that the Holy Spirit of God is saying He wants you to take in your life in order to keep making progress and keep moving forward? I can't answer that for you. That's between you and God. But I really believe very strongly that God wanted me to challenge all of us with that tonight. Hey, before we close in prayer, I know many of you have been asking, many of you have heard that here in our church we have a family who have a four-year-old son who's up in the hospital who has very, very serious leukemia. And uh, in fact, they've almost lost him twice in just the last couple of days. He is in very serious condition. Uh, I would just ask you, if you haven't even heard about this yet, to to please pray for Trevor Swift. Uh, He's the little four-year-old guy up there that's just fighting for his life. Uh, This leukemia is very aggressive, uh, and it's just a nasty disease. And we know how nasty it is, but to see a little four-year-old guy struggling with this, it's just really, really difficult. And you can imagine then his parents dealing with this, and just pray for them. Their names are Brian and Carrie Swift. If you would pray for them, they would really appreciate your prayers. They actually have a website that someone has made for them to give us updates on his condition. And could you give me that website or give them the website in case, and you can get on there, and they've got pictures of Trevor, both before he went into the hospital, when he was healthy, and hooked up to a ventilator now. And you can see him right there on the website and, and even have a picture of what's going on up there at the hospital. But just keep this family in your prayers. I know they would just greatly appreciate it. And we're praying for a miracle. But we also know that he's in God's hands and it's the best place to be and God's ways are not our ways and we're just going to leave it with God. And uh, But we we know that that God wants us to pray, and especially for this family, that's going through a really difficult time. All right, folks, thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we come to you tonight, Father, and, and we just are amazed that you want to build an intimate relationship with us. Maybe that's part of sometimes the, the struggle is that we have a hard time building intimate relationships with people And the God of the universe wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and we have a hard time even accepting that by faith. So, Father, maybe even tonight, I just pray that for every person in this room, that we would just buy faith, because it really is a faith thing to accept the fact that this great, good, wonderful God of the universe wants to build an intimate relationship with little old me. And Lord, I also pray that as we leave here, that that being the case, that we wouldn't be satisfied with where we are in that intimate relationship. Or if we've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, that maybe through even being here tonight, some would say, I want that intimate relationship. I want to know God in that way, in a personal way where He walks with me and where I walk with Him each and every day through all of life's ups and downs, and through the rest of my life. But Lord, for those of us who do know you in a personal way, help us not to be satisfied to think we can stay where we are. But as Peter said, we've always got to keep moving forward, or we're going to end up going backward. And so Lord, I pray tonight that for each of us in this room, that we would just have you lead us into what that next step would be. In, in building an even more intimate relationship with You and growing in the rich knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank You, Lord, for the opportunity we have each and every Tuesday night to come here, to open up Your Word and to share it freely. And Father, before we leave tonight, we just lift up little Trevor to You and Brian and Carrie and their family. Oh God, just touch them. And Father, may they just sense Your power and presence in their life like never before. May they sense You just wrapping Your arms of love and comfort around them. And Lord, we know because we've been in that hospital room and we have sensed God there in a special way and we know You're there. We just just pray for a miracle, Father. But we also just leave it in Your hands and ask that we would just trust You. Just trust Your heart. God, go with us. Take us all home safely tonight. Bring us back next Tuesday, Lord, once again to just dive deep into your word. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you for being here. You're great. Appreciate it.